Welcome to SageCast, the podcast of Pomona College. I'm Patty Vest. And I'm Mark Wood. This season on SageCast, we're talking with a variety of Pomona College students about topics and experiences that shape their collegiate lives. Today, we're talking about the growing trend for high school graduates to take a gap year, a year off to work, volunteer, travel, or take part in some intensive experience between high school and college. Joining us for this discussion are rising sophomores, Danny DeBar of Piedmont, California, and Sophie Schnell of New York, both of whom took a gap year before coming to Pomona. Welcome, Danny and Sophie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Happy to be here. It's great to have you with us. Um, Let's start with your interest in gap years. Uh, How did you first learn of the possibility of doing a gap year experience after high school? So I, in 10th grade, befriended a very cool senior girl, um, and we became quite close, and she told me that she was planning to take a gap year, and I hadn't heard sort of of the concept before that. Uh, And then in hearing about her experience, both planning and then actually having her gap year, I was very intrigued by the idea and sort of decided then and there that I would really like to take one if possible. Uh, similar experiences. My my mom was a proponent of gap years from when I started considering the college process. So from a, from that tenth grade area, I was always gap year was always in the back of my mind. We went to a gap year fair that happened near my school where a bunch of programs presented junior year, and so I was always thinking about gap years. And it was just about finding the right program or the right experience that wanted that I wanted to fit my experience into. When did you realize that gap year was right for you? When did you guys decide, okay, I'm doing this? Um, for me, I think actually the decision to execute it was senior year later on to mm-hmm. senior year. I sort of put it off the first semester of senior year. The first semester was very that, college. Yeah, me too. <laughs> very college app heavy. It was like, we'll mm-hmm. put that off. And so January mm-hmm. rolled around and I had sort of a list of finalist programs. And I once I finally got into the one I wanted to, I made my decision that, yeah, that was the right path for me to go to college. Yeah. I do think that's generally just like a harder thing to do also because first semester is so chaotic, senior year anyway. So I think like there's so much focus on college. It's a little daunting to Mm -hmm. take a step back from that and be like, I'm going to consider these other possibilities right now. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's, I completely identify with that first semester. I was, I kept thinking I should be planning my gap year, et cetera, et cetera, and then totally backburnered it. Yeah. Talking about the the chaos of senior year, yes. um, there's a lot of talk these days about the pressure that high school students are in as they prepare for um, um, their college search for a top college, and the dangers of burnout that that come with that. Did did that factor into your decision to uh, to do a gap year? Most definitely. Um, I came from a high school. It was a public high school, but it was it was very college oriented and it felt like a rat race at times. You took these classes to get these grades to get into whatever school you wanted to. And I often found myself learning for the sake of getting grades versus learning for the sake of learning. Mm -hmm. And Pomona embraces the idea of learning for the sake of learning. It's a very um, curious idea. And I knew that by taking a year off, I would have the ability to break out of the traditional high school setting and take some stress off of the performative aspect of academics and sort of figure out what I wanted to learn and how I could grow with my own personal goals and my own personal achievements. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that the idea of 
I feel like I tend to like eye roll a little bit at the idea of like burnout because in some ways like I had such a really nice like easy like great school um really liked my friends so I feel weird being like oh it was so strenuous and hard but it is and there are pressures and I think the college process like is puts a lot um on our plates and I definitely agree with Danny in terms of I think I was I really just forgot um how like lucky I felt to learn day by day and I think I became more of a like you were saying, just sort of something to push through and get to sort of autopilot on. Um, and I was also personally speaking, I don't know if this was part of your experience or decision to take a gap year, but I felt very familiar with who I was in an academic context. And I felt like a lot of the ways that I measured myself and was sort of gained self-awareness was through academic achievement or academic challenges. Um, and I was very eager to like see who I was outside mm -hmm. of the academic um, context and also to learn out like as corny as it sounds but to really learn outside of the classroom um, and I think that that's like one of my the best parts about the the gap year experience for me is I did so much learning I'm not sure there's a year in my life that I've done that much learning but none of it was in you know the traditional like here's the blackboard or whiteboard or smartboard <laughs> um, <laughs> format and yeah I'm very like there were lucky. no textbooks no, no textbooks. <laughs> a lot of books, I can tell you that. Yeah. I think I got through 17 books in my gap year ranging from uh, – I read The Scarlet Letter, which I we, I didn't read in high school. I was like, oh, I got to check this off my list. All those listeners, I, I don't think you need to. I think Sparknotes covers that one adequately. Um, but there were a lot of other really cool nonfiction and other avenues I was able to explore that I would not have at all picked up if it wasn't for this year where – I was excited to learn and I wanted that nonfiction book. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but when I got to Pomona and I was raring to write those essays, I was so excited <laughs> to sit down and actually write a paper yeah. that, I mean, yeah. it wasn't very good. The first paper I wrote in my Spanish class, I got a D on. So there was definitely a learning curve. Yeah. Um, Gap year didn't improve my literary analysis 10,000%, <laughs> unfortunately. But but I I was excited and I said, okay, D, I can do do better than that. <laughs> yeah. um, and I worked my ass off the next year to the next the next paper the next the next semester to improve. And that I think bouncing back from failure was definitely a lesson that I learned on my gap year. Yeah. And I definitely agree. I was also so excited to come back into the more traditional academic setting mm -hmm. um, and like so nerdy, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I was so excited to be like taking notes again and to be in that, like looking at a teacher. I felt this very renewed sense of excitement for it. Um, and I'm so happy that I got to go into college with that renewed sense. Um, and I think it is something that is a real, I think, a real issue that you come in sometimes and you're so tired from school and you can forget like how cool it is to be here and how grateful that you feel. So I'm, yeah, I'm very glad and I completely 100% feel the same way. Talk to us about your process of planning and how did you choose your gap year experience? You, you mentioned a program. I don't know if, if yours was similar. Talk to us about that decision, that process for you guys. For me, I... I knew I wanted to do an intensive immersion program in a Spanish-speaking country, and I felt that I didn't have the skills or the resources to sort of find my own host family mm -hmm. and find my own apprenticeship. And I said, Let, are there resources out there that could help me with this? And there was this program called Global Citizen Year that was literally exactly what I was looking for. It was in the uh, shape of a cohort. So we came in, there were around 120 uh, students just out of high school before entering college who 
all wanted to take this gap year. And they, they actually sent us to four different countries, Ecuador, India, Senegal, and Brazil. And we had uh, fellow students who were foreigners to a certain country coming in. And we all got our own host families. We all got our own apprenticeships. But we had Spanish classes together weekly. So we had this. Mm-hmm. It was a really beautiful balance of a cohort of people who were our age were going through the same experience, who we could relate to and share problems with, and also our own families, our own apprenticeships in the community that we could really grow within. So mm-hmm. once I found the program I wanted to, I sort of said, this is it. I'm going to commit. And I did that. That is great. I think mine was a little bit less organized. <laughs> um, I came into it being very clear I needed to do like work and then travel um, and wanted to do work and travel sort of as a, as a combo. Um, starting off in the fall, I worked a little bit actually on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to be back in that world. <laughs> uh, it was far less legitimate than this. Um, but I have... So it's a ringer. A, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I have an um, amazing woman who's uh, the mom of one of my best friends from high school and she was actually um, wanting to start a podcast with a friend of hers who's an adolescent um, psychologist mm-hmm. about high school and some of the various stressors. And it was a very interesting project. And I had done an independent study slash sort of senior project on a similar theme um, wrapping up my last year at high school. And so that was a nice transition to work with her a little bit on that. And then I applied for so many jobs um, ranging all different areas, different pay levels. Um, and I... F- ended up at Every Town for Gun Safety, which is a nonprofit organization that's based land, I guess, in in New York and Washington are like the headquarter offices, um, but they do work in all 50 states. And that was sort of the dream. Still kind of can't believe it worked itself out. Um, it was very much like I found it on Idealist. Mm-hmm. And then um, Indeed, like the online job services applied, went in for an interview, um, loved the woman who interviewed me and ended up getting the job and working with her. And that was like a paid internship um, in New York City. So it was amazing. You mm-hmm. scored. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a slam dunk <laughs> for finding jobs. It was a very lucky process. Um, Skill too. Don't, me... don't sell yourself short. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but it gave me a little bit more faith in like the workforce than I think I was expecting. <laughs> it was a while though before I found something that was like yielding. When did that start? Um, uh, like it would have been second semester of my gap year. Cool. Um, and so it was a crazy, crazy time to be there because Parkland happened, Mm. um, and March for our lives happened. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a wild time to be Mm -hmm. in the gun safety movement. Um, and just the difference working there. Um, cause I did continue. I took a little bit of time off and I went away for the summer, but came back late July, August before college. Um, and just over the course of of time there, the amount of public support for the issue or media coverage, it was so astounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just very, obviously like a very terrible, um, thing to, to think about. And, and, you know, they have to deal working there day in, day out with really heavy topics yeah. and emotional experiences. And at the same time, like I've just very rarely been surrounded by like the people who work there are incredible. And I've just to find myself working with a lot, so many young people also who are, you know, recently, somewhat recently out of school, um, was an amazing, amazing time. So that was how it worked out. Thank God it did. It was a little bit less structured, but it was um, very much just like a traditional, like apply for a job, mm-hmm. get an interview, start the job. Right in um, high school. That's impressive. It was really, yeah. it was yeah. cool. It was very cool. Um, they, I would say so much about 
the gap year process does depend on the people that you're with and whether that's in a more formalized program, whether it's in a job, it's so much about people like investing in you having a good experience. Mm -hmm. And they knocked that out of the park for me. Like they put so much time and focus in an already very busy schedule. Um, they set so much, so many resources aside for, you know, making sure that I had so many cool experiences, so many cool opportunities to sit in on meetings, um, to have my like own responsibility working there grow as I was there for more time. Um, so it was, it was amazing. It was very cool. How did your gap year plans fit into your college admissions process? Uh, how, I mean, do you, I assume you had to apply for a deferral. Um, how does that all work? Good question. So with uh, private schools, they tend to be a lot more supportive of the idea because as long as you pay tuition, they're okay with it. Uh, that's, yeah. I don't know how true that is, but that's that's the vibe that I got. I The policies have actually started change, shifting a little bit. I've been working with the admissions office this year, but when I applied back in 2017, the, they said, don't tell us on your application. And then once you get into Pomona, you can defer and you'll send us your potential plans. We'll approve them most likely. And then we'll ask you to reconfirm your enrollment in February. So you have all the time in the world. Felt like that at least at the time. Yeah. Uh, but since then, I've worked with Pomona Missions and there's a more formalized process with a little more support and recognition. Yeah. So I had what is seeming to be a trend in this interview, the less organized <laughs> <laughs> approach to uh, planning the gap year, uh, including the college process um, intersection with gap year planning. So I actually applied to Pomona my senior year, got accepted, ended up accepting at Amherst. Oh, no. Yes. Um, which is amazing oh, school. No, you didn't. But I did. I did. <laughs> and I, I, I said no to Pomona. Which but, was, there's a but. There's, but a, there's a big but a, coming, yes. Yeah. Um, and then throughout my gap year, um, which I think is an interesting part of the gap year experience, like what I wanted from college shifted, like where I wanted to be, mm -hmm. what I was looking for. I think my comfort being further away from home definitely was a part of it because I did spend time away mm -hmm. um, for a longer period than I had in the past. And so I think that I was more confident in choosing a school that was further away. Mm -hmm. um, and Pomona had sort of been my first choice. And then I think just due to like some family concerns about me going further and my own maybe hesitations about going further, I decided not to do that. Mm -hmm. So then I reapplied fall, um, which was complicated process because it was, you can't be enrolled in two schools at once. So mm -hmm. in order to reapply, I had to, you had, a, had to forfeit. That's a leap of faith. It is. It was a big leap of faith. Wow. Um, and risk mentality. Look at that. It was, your it was a risk mentality. <laughs> ended up working well. And was, no other schools. Just no. I no. Oh, I did. Wow. I did other schools because okay. it was like okay. yeah, it's gonna just, go yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Had to have um, some safety there. And again, like Amherst is awesome. I'm sure I would have really loved that experience. But I was like just very sure that what I was looking for was different. Um, mm -hmm. And I was so pumped about Pomona, um, and felt like that was just really like values based decision was to try what I could do. <laughs> Anything I could do to get back here. Um, so you basically so got ad got admitted to Pomona twice. That, yes, <laughs> that yes. I guess that's in the case. In two competitive classes. That's, I had, that's pretty mm -hmm. impressive. Thank you. <laughs> I owe very much to my admissions officer, who I think really like. I know that they advocate for people. I think he mm -hmm. had to really advocate for me, um, <laughs> and he was very open and direct with me, which I really appreciated. And he was basically like, "What's the what's different between?" 
last year and this year, you know, because mm-hmm. um, it wasn't my first time at the rodeo, I guess. Um, it's like, you've seen this thing He was like, we, we've seen, wait, wow, wait a minute. Yeah, all the same extracurriculars. Um, but he was very supportive and nice. And um, yeah, I could not be happier to be here. So it worked itself, it worked itself out. But I do think that that's something that's interesting because you do go into, you know, a lot, a lot happens during a gap year. Um and I think the sort of stereotypical, like, I just want to find myself a little bit, like, yeah, you find you things. You do. Yeah. <laughs> like, as cheesy as it sounds. Yeah, you do. And so I think that that's an interesting question because for me, like, going into senior year and then coming sort of out of my gap year, my college perspective did shift. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very cool when people, like, know what they want, do their mm-hmm. gap year, go, turns out to have been right. Um, and I think for me, I just wasn't, I wasn't there. I think senior year I was looking for one thing and then gap year was sort of had my eyes opened about what I was really looking for from college. We've already started talking a little bit about Sophie's and tell us more about, you said time in Italy, I believe. Um, But tell us about your gap year experience and and what you guys did and where did you you guys go? Um, Yes, I can can dive into that first. So finishing up sort of the New York City component, Mm I worked at every town through um, early June. They have a big wear orange campaign. Um, and so I was working with them for that. And then I, and this one I actually was more organized and planning. <laughs> I had done, I knew I wanted to travel and volunteer somewhere. And um, I had a buddy from high school who had done his first year of college. Um, so he was not doing a gap year, but we decided we wanted to do some travel together in the summer. Um, and so we went to a refugee camp in southern Italy um, and volunteered there. And um, that was an incredible, incredible experience. We were working. We had sort of a few different responsibilities. There was a lot of working with kids, um, which was super nice. There's a daycare there. Um, And then also teaching English was like our other main, main duty. How do you find this Um, program? We found it through just like old fashioned internet research. Um, it's a Projects Abroad, I believe is the main organization name. And then they have different projects all over the world. Um, and this was a settlement in a tiny, tiny town called Kamini. Um, and I'm also, I've come like born and raised in New York City, humongous place. Get to Kamini. Um, meet the mayor day one, <laughs> get out of the car, like meet Kino. Right yeah. Um, and it's, this was a 300 person town. Um, the mayor who's also probably the plumber or something. Yes. It's, he's everywhere, does every job. Um, but 115 refugees and then, um, the rest were like a combination of volunteers and then local Italian population. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just such a cool blend cause it was so tiny, but there was also just this like vast amount of culture mm-hmm. within this teeny tiny physical space because you had I would say about like half of the refugees were from Syria the other half um, were from various African countries Um, so there were so many languages so many cultures going on volunteers from all over um, which was another amazing part and like the relationships I made there both with refugees um, working with them sort of day in day out and then also with other volunteers they were it was amazing and it was very informal about who could come Mm -hmm. Um, you can really apply at any stage of life so I was sharing a room with like a 53 year old woman from England I was sharing a room with like an Irish girl who's pretty much my same age Um, and it just worked out so well and we were all really excited to be there and I made some some really good friends so that was really nice 
Um, but it was it was very wild, un, like completely different from anything I've ever done. Um, and we worked with, I think my favorite thing I got to do there is there was a group of like unaccompanied minors who'd all come from different African countries um, without any family or friends. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the other families sort of in the village had come at least with a partner or with a cousin or something like that. So they had, you know, some roots to come with. Um, and these guys who are all sort of roughly my age, like 18, 18-ish zone, um, had come completely by themselves. And we were working with them at various levels of like teaching English. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ranged from very, very beginner minimal to like very advanced conversational English. Um, and that was so cool because, you know, in, in so many ways we were – at a very similar stage of life, sure. sort of, because we were, there's something sort of universal about the, like, brink of adulthood, um, 18, 19 zone. And then, of course, in other ways, like, we could not have had more opposite experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had ended up in the same place, but under very different circumstances. And, you know, I knew being there, it was very, it was intense to be there. It was super fun, but also really intense. But I, you know, it's very different to know you're about to leave you know, it's, it's very temporary versus, yeah. um, they had like not, they weren't sure what the next month or year was going to look like. Mm-hmm. How long were you there? Um, I was there for about six weeks, six weeks. um, mm-hmm. in Italy. And then we went also to, we did a little traveling around after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was, yeah, it was an amazing experience. Very, um, meaningful and cool. And also just like, it's very, I'd read, you know, a bit about the refugee crisis and situation, um, sort of detached like newspaper articles and things. And I think going into it and like immersing myself in that experience was, it was cool. It was, it was really interesting to read Exit West actually, which was the book uh-huh. yeah. coming in this year after um, going through that experience because I thought that he actually does a really cool job reminding you that these like people too with issues and sometimes they want to talk about their like sex life and like what they're cooking and it's not all about like this really intense experience that they've had um and then other times you do sit down with them and talk about like you know criminal accusations that they faced in their home countries and why they had to leave um and it, it really does range but yeah it was it was very cool do you want to even about what xos is like really fast oh yeah sorry so xos is a novel that was written by what's what Moshid Hamid. There it is. Um, And it captures sort of the global um, refugee crisis and immigration crisis. And it, you know, writes about these sort of different narratives and different characters who are going all over the world. And these doors have emerged. Um, And it's a very interesting, like almost sci-fi-esque approach to how like the immigration process could evolve potentially in it our world. It takes out the actual travel and just focuses on the human parts of the narrative of mm-hmm. what is it like to arrive to a place and to be with someone and to feel that interpersonal connection. Yeah. And something I thought that book did really well, especially after like talking to um, refugees who were going through, I think in my head, I had sort of been like, immigration is an A to B process. It's leaving home A, going to new home B. Nope. It is like A to B to F, back to B to C to A. Like it's so complicated. It's so nuanced. It is very up in the air, not at all definite. Um, And so I, yeah, it was very, it was really interesting to read that book. But it was, yeah, it was a very cool, cool experience. And it was was nice to get out of the U.S. and get out of my comfort zone in a lot of ways. Um, So I'm really happy I did that. And Exit West was the first book for your class. It was yes. a freshman year book that all freshmen, <coughs> excuse me, all freshmen who are entering Pomona read Exit West before coming. Yeah. We're supposed to. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like a summer summer read and yeah. then discussed in orientation. Mm-hmm. Perfect. 
Your turn, Danny. My turn. <laughs> so I had a I was a lot of similar trends, but also so I I the program is called Global Citizen Year, and the way Global Citizen Year, and the way it works is they send a cohort of uh, students to different countries, and they help facilitate an immersion process. So mm-hmm. there's a structure where you're immersed in your home country, in your country with a host family and a job in the community, and then you also have this balance of being with people who are coming from similar backgrounds to you. They were international students, and also a lot of different people from different backgrounds. My program gave uh, over 30% of the people who were on the program were there for $500 or less. Mm-hmm. So a very wide breadth of people, which also really helped me explore my own privilege and what it, like where my place, not only in Ecuador, but also in America. But I guess, what did I actually do? Um, so for seven months, I lived with a host family in the northern province of Imabura in Ecuador. Uh, they were indigenous. So that was a little different than the normal mestizo culture that at least I thought of when I first came to Ecuador. Mm -hmm. They spoke Quechua in the house uh, as well as Spanish. And with that came a whole slew of different cultures and different different cultural, cultural, how do I say this, acts and traditions and norms that I had no idea literally anything about. Uh, And so there was a lot of discomfort for me in that, which was really interesting to look back on. There was a lot more communication through work than communication through words. And as someone who likes talking and often connects with people over talking, waking up at 5.30 a.m. to go till your uncle's field to show him respect and to be part of the larger family, that was not something I was used to doing. So there was a lot of Lots you of, weren't doing that in Piedmont, California? Believe it or not, I wasn't. Uh, because gotcha. the, the soil is just really rocky. Gotcha. You know? And it was – so that was – the family for me was the was the base. I, that's where I slept for seven months. I became immersed not only in the family, in the extended family. All they, uh, My mom's – my host mom's – my host mom had nine siblings and seven of them lived with their family in the surrounding two-minute diameter walking distance. So – Everyone was close. Family was together every weekend. And also the community. The community was a small-ish town. It was actually a very interesting divide. There were there were it was around 60% indigenous and then 30% mestizo, mm-hmm. which is a mix of different races. Um I'm from Ecuador. You're from Ecuador. Uh-huh. You are no way. We're yeah. in Ecuador. <laughs> Guayaquil. Guayaquil. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's the coast. We'll talk later. We'll talk later. <laughs> um, and it, but what's interesting about Cotacachi is that there were expats. So there were around 400 Americans, mostly white, who were living in Ecuador for, I w- would like to say the culture and the people, but no, it was it was cheaper there. And so they were there for the for to live off their social security pretty much uh, with their community of expats. So that was a whole other world was... I had to step out of my white Danny in an indigenous family who's real, trying really hard to immerse and trying to accept culture at, for what it is and take off my judging goggles and step into this American world where they have an American bakery that's really good with American diner. And it was warping, um, stepping <laughs> in and out and then speaking Spanish, but then English and then, oh my gosh. Uh <laughs> And that was facilitated through. I worked at a school, so I was a I was an assistant to an English teacher at, mm-hmm. at a local, a local school. I taught grades one through seven, with um, my, a co teacher, and there were around six hundred students. So there were around 
30 kids per class and with 19 different classes we had, it was very short. It was like the music your the elementary school kids get where they have 40 minutes a week and the teachers know your name and they throw out a little harp or something and then you play it and then you come back again next week for that 40 minutes of of recorder, hot cross buns. So that was, it kind of felt like that sometimes with English is coming in, teaching them some vocabulary words and then the next week, maybe they remember two out of the 10. Mm -hmm. So it was different progress. Uh, but what actually happened to me is I, so the, the teacher realized I was semi-competent at teaching. I have a decent amount of experience of it from high school. And he said, okay, Danny, why don't you just take the seventh period today? So then I would go to the seventh period class with a lesson plan we've already done twice, run that, I can do that. Then it was, uh, Danny, why don't you go to the afternoon classes? And that was three classes. And then eventually it was, he went to me, he went, he went with me to the first class at 715. And then just, I did the rest of the day alone. And so then that, you went mm -hmm. to the bakery. I went. <laughs> um, and, then, and then the diner. Yeah. The diner. <laughs> Not just Exactly. Bakery. And then I walked in with the, with my handful of cake and shoved it in my mouth in front of the kids. <laughs> no. Um, and so I was pretty, I was pretty independent teacher for the most part uh, during the fall. And then walk into school January 2nd after winter break. And the school director, who never talks to me, we make a very formal hola um, coming in. And he calls me over. I say, oh, my God, am I fired? What did I do wrong? And turns out that the other English teacher who I didn't work with, who was teaching 8th grade through 10th grade, was fired for sexual harassment um, or oh suspended and yeah. process. And so they said, okay, Danny, um, do you want to teach 8th grade through 10th grade by yourself or do you want to teach 1st grade through 7th grade? And I said, uh... I'll stick with the textbook I know and the kids I know and the farm vocabulary words. I can do that. I do not know grammar structures. Actually, ordinal numerals, those are the like first one ST, second. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that you created the name, like the word first, and the, the way you wrote it was a one with an ST because the last two letters of the word first are ST. I just... I, I know it. So I was, I was supposed to teach I just this learned lesson, that. Right. <laughs> just now, and yeah. so it's one thing to speak English. It's a whole yeah, other thing to course. teach it. So that was a huge learning curve as well. And that's why I'm glad I did not actually teach grammar or anything <laughs> of, I would say language importance. I touched, it was a lot of vocab, a lot of fun games and trying to spark their interest in English. So then mm -hmm. for the second half of the year, I was the, I was the English teacher and I went from class to class with my textbook and my water bottle. And the way it worked was that each grade level had a slightly different lesson plan for the day. Um, my school, again, I had the least organized experience out of all my friends who were teaching English. Uh, I would, this is not a general experience that most of the people had, but I, the school gave out the same textbook to the second graders and the fourth graders, and the same textbook to the third graders and the fifth graders. So you were having fourth graders tracing the letter A, week one, and third graders trying to match the world, like the word goldfish in Spanish to the picture. It's like they're just got out of the tracing and they're working with small, it was, it was weird. And so I had to work within the textbook constraints that was not normal. Um, but it was a really cool experience of, of empathizing with language learners. I was learning Spanish mm -hmm. at the same time. So I was able to use sort of that mentality and transition it to English. And I was, it was also saying, okay, so in high school, I always thought, what if I had my own classroom? Like, what would I as a teacher want to give to the students? Would we be doing yeah. busy work? Would we be doing games all day? And so I really had this experience to say, okay, well, let's get cracking. And I... I try to incorporate more games. I try to make it more fun. I try to see like, so what vocab words do you actually want to learn? Because yeah. funny thing is the word library, biblioteca, uh, is a word that is so not used in, in 
in the school that I worked in because there's no library. The mm -hmm. only library that exists is the old dusty book collection in the town center, which is a museum. So they, they, when I was trying to teach them the word library, they had no conception. They called it libreria, which is a bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, there are some also cultural differences in the textbook that were not conveyed as they should have been. And so it was trying to find the difference between taking my culture of coming from America, from a liberal background and inserting it in a way where it wasn't imposing upon their culture and trying to find ways to make English work with with them. And that was a really interesting experience. And it was saddening at times because Quechua is a language that my family spoke at home, but this, the kids who were, who were my quote unquote host cousins who were my age or younger knew very little Quechua. Yeah. So they could understand yeah. it sometimes, the older yeah. ones, and the younger ones couldn't understand it and couldn't speak a word. Is it taught in school? There? It's not taught, some okay. schools. So okay. some schools are, are bilingual Quechua and Spanish, mm -hmm. and some schools aren't. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it was, <clears throat> parents I talked to said, we're not teaching our kid Quechua at home. Instead, English, because English is, is a skill that they need to move on and to get a higher paying yeah. job. And then because of that, you see a lot of culture being lost. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of a colonialist, a colonialist sad reality that I was facing because it's either they were getting English from me or this classroom teacher who's already pretty overworked has no prep period. And yeah. it's it was an interesting, an interesting inter- fight that I had that is carried through here that I, I a lot of these experiences I are, relate to what I'm learning in school um it's a first-hand experience of of one of the the real world um uh, results of globalization right mm -hmm. yeah I, the fact that people are having to choose between um, you know, you can speak Quechua at home and and preserve the culture, but it's not going to 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 make your life move forward. You know, in the econ economics of of today, or Definitely. you can focus on the economics and trying to be successful, and you lose your culture. Exactly, and so th it, that was total struggle that I was facing. Um, and what actually was nice though in the afternoon. So school got out at twelve thirty, and I volunteered sometimes at a local vegan bake local vegan bakery, which again would not have been there if it was, it was a bread bakery. It was run by this German guy, but that would not have been there if there wasn't that community of expats. Boom, you got mm -hmm. it. And so I learned how to make bread and now I'm the head baker at Claremont Halla. So that transition Whoa. was really cool. Plug by Claremont Halla. Um, but that, but I would not have had that, like, I would not have made that friend, that German baker. He's probably the closest connection I have still to Ecuador besides my host sister. And, and that experience would wouldn't have happened if there wasn't this expat mm -hmm. community and this globalization and this inherent power dynamic within the city. It was, it was trippy. And what's also trippy <laughs> is that of not trippy, unfortunate is that the school that I taught at, which was 60% indigenous or higher had, there were 50 teachers, three of them were indigenous and they, these kids were, they weren't getting taught by people who look like them and who could relate to their experiences in the same way. And of the three teachers, one of the three was mm, the one who left. The English teacher who was suspended. So mm -hmm. it's it was this really interesting mixture of cultures, which led to some beautiful, beautiful ceremonies. They were for some indigenous holidays. The whole school got together and performed them and respected them. And for some, and, and then but at the same time, simultaneously, the culture is sort of getting erased. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the. Uh, um, the fact is that 
you tend to start off with um, simplistic ideas of, of some of the problems that face countries around the world, Ecuador, Italy, yeah. dealing with, with um, uh, immigration crisis. Um, and you get there and you discover that it's so complicated, right? So complicated. Definitely. Um, and I think just sort of you were talking about you know, teaching English, these sort of different languages. I think something that I really appreciate from my gap year experience is also um, like, you know, there's so many different, whether it's the baker that you were baking bread with or the person you were living with is your sister or the students you were teaching. Um, I feel like connection, the connections that I made yeah. over the course of my gap year um, really did change the way that or have changed the way that I think about um, just connecting with people. I, mm-hmm. uh, one of the closest friends that I have who came actually to New York to visit me around Christmas time, which was so fun. She lives in England. She was also a volunteer in Italy with me. Um, we have so many shared memories from Italy together and we lived together. We were in the same room. Um, and we realized when she was here for Christmas that we actually only overlapped for a week and a half. Um, mm. in Italy. And that was astounding to me. And I, you know, I went to the same school at like K through 12. Um, and I had this, you know, idea of friendships being something that you really built over time and all this, you know, really long, like building a history together. Um, and I think my gap year, like it was, it was amazing to see how quickly you can become bond. Yeah. You can bond. And mm. it helps when you're like, we were like nursing a cat together and like bring, you know, we were doing crazy things that were more intense than your typical like Monday through Friday school week um, together. But it was incredible. Or even, you know, working, I think something that was a little different about my gap year experiences during the year, the people, the school year time when I was working, the people I was dealing with day in, day out were all older and it wasn't other students um, in, in the workplace. And that was also a new form of connection for me, you know, mm-hmm. um, working with people who are in their 30s, in their 40s, um, who are also weirdly feeling like a peer at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that just having the opportunity to learn how to connect in so many different ways um, and deal with things, you know, in Italy, there were language barriers, um, there were cultural barriers. And I think that having that experience as a young person is like such a cool cool experience to have. And I think it has like coming into college, which is sort of the ultimate time of creating new relationships. Um, it was very, it was cool to come equipped with this knowledge that like you can build these bonds in unusual ways and in sort of short timetables. Um, and the best language story I have from my gap year is I worked with one um, gentleman named Philman and I helped him farm. So I had some nice. of those 530 mornings as well. Um, I love him. He's amazing. He's from Eritrea. He'd been in Italy for a few years already. He has, his wife is there. His two kids are there. Um, and he is great at Italian. I picked up a little bit while I was there, but came in knowing nothing. Um, his English is like getting somewhere, but it's not He's not very proficient in English, and we were sort of in this bind of needing to farm together, or more adequately, like he, more appropriately, he was teaching me how to farm. Mm-hmm. Was not we were not farming together. Lot, he was yeah, yeah just <laughs> showing me how to do it. Um, hopefully, by the end, I like could handle myself a little bit. Um, but we found our common language through football. 
because it was football, well, soccer. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. okay. it was the World Cup while I was there. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Which is watched obsessively. Mm-hmm. Of course, I was <laughs> course. there like the one year Italy was not in the World Cup, um, which yeah. was a source of a lot of attention. Um, <laughs> but sure. because there were so many people from all over, like every game was important to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had just began to exclusively communicate through like football terminology so if wow. we were doing something if we were meeting at our usual spot it was usual but if anywhere else it was off sides and mm. we were doing something um and it was just like all I of these that. it was yeah. so fun but it was just this amazing like again looking at the root of connection as being like sometimes it's as simple as like i watch soccer you watch soccer. We can figure out how soccer relates to like planting these peppers together. And it shows that human connection is so much more than language. My yeah, my, 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 my grandma really spoke only Quechua, my host grandma. And so yeah. it was, there were moments where we were just hanging out together and looking each other in the eyes and smiling and enjoying the day. And that, and that bond is for me just as strong as some other people who I was able to communicate with and mm-hmm. through language. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I do think it's just so easy to get caught up in especially in academic like rigorous academic environments which again are amazing so we're all so lucky to be here and you can you can get stuck in this perspective of like what really matters this week is like that I got an A on this essay you know <laughs> and I think that having experiences outside of that environment and I, I've actually found that I have to like continually sort of remind myself of those experiences and what my values are and how I want to live mm-hmm. um, based on those values but I think that having that experience of like really breaking it down into what life is beyond that, what life is at like the smallest levels of connections, what life is at the biggest levels of connections. Like that is such a cool, and that's not something that you can only get in a gap year. That's comes in every shape and form. But I think having a gap year is a very like cool, a good time to have that experience for me at least. But the best experiences for that, I think, are outside your norm, right? Completely When you step outside your normal life. And by normal, in, in, in our cases, we were in school from age 5 to 18. And so the academic world was all that I knew how to succeed in for the most part. And so I was so used to training my level of success. But what, what did I quantify as a success was through the eyes of others, like whether this grade was good, whether my performance in the theater production was, was enjoyed. And I all of a sudden had to define success on my own. No one was there to hound in whether how proficient I was at Spanish. There wasn't a grade on this test I had to get to tell me that, Danny, you're doing well because you got this A. I had to make my own quantifiers and perform at my own expectations. And that sort of level of how did I define success in my gap year really impacted the way that I think I think of success here at Pomona is I try to pull myself out of the let others defining success for me and creating my own set of goals and things for me to strive for, whether it's academically, through extracurriculars, through friendships, and and define my success through that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think it was cool also being in the workforce that put, puts learning in perspective as well, because like the mistakes that you make there are like, you just deal with them, you know, like you just figure it out and you ask your boss for help and she helps you and it works out, you know, and I think that there's something like empowering about going into that experience and sort of seeing like the, the real Failure real is not the end of the world, <laughs> not the end of the world at all. In fact, I think that's probably the biggest thing I gained. I'm sure that's a question coming up, but. Mm-hmm. How'd you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> what did you gain from your gap year, Danny? What are you bringing here to Pomona with your gap year? Yeah. yeah. No. Um, no, we would never ask that. <laughs> ever. Why would that? Why? I don't know. Makes no sense. Um, uh, failure. 
I'm, I'm less adverse to failure now. I'm willing to try new activities and clubs. I got five rejections the first week, month of school. I went out and auditioned for dance, which I'm not good at. I tried out for some <laughs> acapella groups. I tried out for some I got semi application for some jobs and I got no's. And these are jobs that I normally wouldn't apply for. But after this year of trying new things and branching out, I thought I need to continue that here in college. And those experiences, although I didn't necessarily get them, opened open the door for other really awesome connections and experiences that I did have because of these failures. And it's, it's one thing to sort of say, uh, failure, it's so easy when you don't have A's and grades and med school to, to think about, but there are still ways to incorporate failure into your life that mm-hmm. isn't as high stakes as say, like, I'm going to bomb this class on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, that's not what we're trying to say. Guys. No. <laughs> yeah. Wait, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, I think definitely what I took out of it sort of in the, the biggest level was I, I do think you were talking about, you know, trying new things, getting out of your comfort zone and how important that is. Like I have so much more of like an appetite for that, I think, and an mm-hmm. eagerness to do that. Because mm-hmm. um, once you try it a little bit, you realize like it's so fun and scary and enlightening. Um, and so I think that just sort of, again, I feel like I've like said the word values too many times, but it, <laughs> it really has redefined what my like bigger life values are. And I think, again, this commitment to having those like guide the way that I try to navigate the day by day Uh because I think it's so easy to lose sight of them in the short term Um, but I think it's so important to build your short term around those values Um, and that's still something that I'm like you know work to do and sometimes I'm like you know what I really got lost in that um, experience or that or that project and I kind of forgot what I want to be doing Uh in the bigger picture but I'm really trying to do that and I do think again just like connections relationships that I got out of my gap year um are will be like a lasting impact of that year not only the relationships that I made you know in Italy or at work but also just like that was so by far the most important thing for me day by day was like the people I was with and Mm -hmm. I think coming into Pomona like I love my classes I love the work that I'm doing and like without a doubt the best thing for me about being here and like the thing that I value the most is like the relationships that I have with people Mm -hmm. um and I think just sort of deciding that that's just to me like the coolest part about an experience is like who I'm sharing it with. Um, yeah. And so I think it's really, it was a really cool way to learn that. You've talked about the depth of the connections you guys yes. made through your experiences. Did your gap year help clarify what you wanted to do or not do with, let's say, your near future or with your life? Uh-huh. Um, I had that same question coming in <laughs> and I have literally no answer. I thought, <laughs> okay, I will figure my whole life mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. on this gap year. I'll have so much time thinking. And all I know now is I don't want to be a public school teacher. So <laughs> I now know I don't want to be that. But what, what do I want to be? No idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I also am very confused and unsure. <laughs> um, I think, again, it didn't clarify a particular career path. Um, I think I learned like how interested I am. I liked working at a nonprofit. I liked working with immigration. Like I think there are areas that I'm more like interested in further exploring now. Um, but I don't know career wise. I think mm-hmm. it definitely did instill in me, like no matter what I end up doing, I really want to travel as much as I can. Um, I really want to live um, in the moment, in the moment, but also just like in different places. Okay, <laughs> you went on one, you went one direction. That phrase there. Yeah, no, that completely that as well. But I think that I've really come I came away from the experience very sure that in my life I hope to just live in a ton of different places and I think there's just something so different about going somewhere 
on a vacation versus going somewhere and staying there. And like the things you learn about the place and the people there and the experiences you have are just completely different. And so I think that I've really decided that like, I really want to study abroad even more than I did before and things like that, that I really hope to um, explore and root myself in different places. How much had you guys traveled abroad before your gap year experiences? Um, I had done some traveling, but never like a long-term stay anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'd been anywhere for more than like 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, that was outside of the U.S. Yeah. prior to this. Same. I've, yeah. I think I was, did a trip to Israel once, um, went to Mexico with my family once or twice. Uh, but besides that, really nothing, nothing where I was going to a place with the, with the intention of learning about it and mm-hmm. learning about the culture and trying to take my American mask and my American identity and put that on the back burner and really immerse myself in the culture. None of that. Hmm. But honestly, I don't think I necessarily have the drive to do the same thing. I, for me, the gap year showed, I, I, I like traveling, but there's still this level of anxiety. And I think that's reflecting. I chose to do a, do a program where I was staying in the same place for seven months. I, I don't love going to new places and learning to adjust and then pulling myself up once I've just got my roots in. Mm -hmm. And so seven months was able to, I was able to really hone into what the community was and do a deep dive. And so if I could do something like that again, I would, but I, it's funny. I, but that's, yeah, different, different to each their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also, I'm just curious to see, do you feel your self-confidence changed over the course of the year? I think I became more humble. I think I was, I was able to say, Speaking, I didn't speak Spanish very well at first, and so I literally was forced to listen. I, I couldn't interpret. I, I mean, I couldn't um, engage in conversation. I couldn't insert my own opinion into into what was happening, and so I was forced to really take a seat. And yeah. and 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 that was something that I that I hadn't experienced much before. Yeah, I felt like so much more self confident coming out of the year than I feel like I did going into the year. Um, like I feel like I was just more content and or like happy to just be myself and like go for it and try new things and meet new people and yeah. be a little bit braver and uh-huh. I thought that, that was like a very cool and it happened slowly like I wasn't aware of it I wasn't like actively like I'm growing more self-confident <laughs> by the second yeah, yeah, yeah. um but I think just in weird things like you know figuring out how to get somewhere in an Italian train station yeah. that's like two feet long um versus you know some yeah. like more conventional yeah. like I I'm say- gonna try this challenge and I, I do think I became more self-aware. Yeah. So maybe not more self-confident, but a lot more aware of my place Me too. with my own personality and my my place in my communities and the larger world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why do you think some institutions, including places like Harvard and Yale, are, um, are actually encouraging students now to take gap years? I think the self-awareness that we just talked about is super helpful in the uh, academic educational context, I think you're more receptive to learning. I think you're more excited to learn, like we talked about earlier. I think that you bring a knowledge of yourself into a new community, having had that experience that benefits everybody else who's going to be in that community. And I do think it really, maybe at the end of the day, it just like boils down to me, at least to just this willingness to learn and try new things. I think that that's something that a gap year, regardless of what you do, really does encourage in you and I think that you take that where you go next and I think as like if I was sort of in a position of a college administrator I would be so excited if my students were coming with that perspective and also just pure academic advancement I 
am a lot more well-read for Hermit College. And also, I entered college in Spanish 101. So I would I would probably would have entered an intermediate, if that, uh, after high school. But coming in with a fluency in language, I am now a Spanish minor. So that I that would I would not have said that two years ago. Yeah. But this is I'm excited about learning languages and and new academic passions of mine have definitely come to the surface because of the gap year. Also, I think it's it, it's more of a why not. You know, it's like you you have this year. It's it's only a year or. 14 months if you start from graduation of high school to August when you matriculate but there's there's endless possibilities and you can you can learn more about yourself you can learn more about the world you can fail you can try new things and all have this rejuvenated sense of spirit coming back to school and it studies show that coming taking a gap year you finish school way faster you um are you get get better grades and you're more engaged in the in your community that you are building so it's it's kind of, in my mind, it's a, it's a no brainer to at least consider and to. Yeah. I do think that like in asking the why not question, there is like a big financial obstacle a lot of the time in the gap year game. That was our next question. Yeah. I think (laughs) the people, sometimes I feel like the people who take the gap years, like sometimes the people have like traveled the most before taking the gap year. Uh Like I think it's, Mm -hmm. there's definitely like a complicated, Mm um, complicated. And I think like messed up in some ways idea of like who gets to actually take one Mm -hmm. and who Mm -hmm. who gets to like think about taking one versus who gets like seriously consider it and then actually do it Mm -hmm. um so I think that that's something that like as somebody who took one acknowledging the fact like that is just not an option um for a lot of people even though like you can work and you can like you were talking about your program which had this like amazing aid um to like fund these experiences for people but I do think that that's something that especially if, if schools start encouraging it, like we need to figure out how to make that opportunity accessible mm-hmm. um, to a yeah. wider scale of people. And it, I think, it, you know, it is something like I feel very lucky to have had that experience and at the same time recognize that that's like, it's not an, an option for everyone. So I think Definitely. that I'm so like, I'm, so, I think it's the best decision I made. And like with that awareness of what it did for me, like I yeah, we got to figure out a way that like more people can definitely, I think can do that. It's already hard enough to get some people to recognize the benefits of college, let alone the benefits of a gap year. So it's there's definitely some, there's some work to be done. And I echo everything you said. I think you put that so eloquently. Thank you. And it's also like, you know, it is becoming more socially acceptable or Thanks, like you Malia said, Obama. Yeah, she did. She <laughs> yes. helped us out on that one, but not everyone's super pumped. Like my parents took some convincing yeah um they and i think that there are parents like you said your mom's a big proponent who come in like this is amazing you should do it Mm -hmm. i think there's some parents who are like what 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 is is the hold up yeah like between just going to college is this like you not you're not going to go to college you know and then i was like no that will (laughs) that will happen um so i do think that there's like not only the financial burden but also just different culturally different just ideas I, i have older parents i think they like they don't really know anybody who did that um, when they were growing up. Um, so I think that there are just a lot of, it's becoming more recognized in everyday culture as a thing is a real cool opportunity. But I do think still that there's, um, more sort of more common sense there's that so needs much to be conveyed be about yeah, Definitely. what the gap year experience And the is. more, the more demand there is, this is back to my macroeconomics class, <laughs> the more demand there is for different types of gap years, the more programs will emerge and pop up that, that fit the constraints of each individual, high school student who wants to take some time off from the traditional academic setting. 
So yeah. I'm excited to see what the future holds. Me too. And I think I do just want to emphasize, I think all the things that can be gained in the gap year are not exclusive to the gap year experience. I think that they are so easily manifested in the gap year experience because like we've sort of talked about, it comes at a great time and it comes at a period of transition. It sets mm -hmm. you up really nicely for college. It helps you reflect on high school. Um, and that being said, like I just, I, I was, I've been so enthusiastic about my gap year and talking to friends and I have a few friends who've gone into college and like, shoot, like I should have done that. And I missed, mm -hmm. missed out on that. And I think just in talking to them, I've also realized like there are a billion ways to have these experiences. Um, and I think the gap year is an amazing, like I'm all for that format and it's by no means the only one. So what are some other ones? I think going abroad. I think going, taking a year off after school if you can. I think really honestly, like what you do extracurricularly in school. I think how you set up your life post post-graduating. Like I do think that there are a lot of ways where you can travel, work, try new things, get out of your comfort zone that don't just look like like the 14 month between senior year and freshman year. Totally. And like do it if you can. Like, do it if you can. And like let's I would love to like make it something that more people can do mm -hmm. and do mm -hmm. do. But it's just like I don't know. It's not the only only way to get it. So on that note we're going to wrap this up. Um, our thanks to Pomona College students Danny DeBar and uh, Sophie Schnell. Thank you for uh, having for us. Talking to us about their gap year experiences. Thanks Thank so much. Thank, Thank you, you guys. That was great. And to all who've stuck with us this far, thanks for listening to SageCast, the podcast of Pomona College. Until next time.